Uh, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 1. Like, it, like the Lord's just here today. I'm just like, he's really, really here. We started this two weeks ago. Um, I felt led to preach through Noah, which I've rattled off bits and pieces, but I actually felt the necessity to just actually walk through Genesis 6, 7, and 8. And uh, I'm not in any hurry. <laughs> to, I don't feel like I have to cover a certain amount of ground in a certain amount of time. And so two weeks ago, we kind of gave just a synopsis of, of what the story of Noah entails. And, and, and the Lord, He's looking for men and women that walk with Him. I mean, that's why he picked Noah. Noah lived in a wicked generation, but it said Noah walked with God. He was blameless and he was righteous and blameless. And so in a lesser covenant, without the Holy Spirit living inside of him, Noah was a man without sin. And so, and because he was a man without sin, the Lord picked him. And then the Lord used him and his family to, to really repopulate the planet, if you will. And then the Lord, He's looking for people. This was the other thing. He's looking for people or companies of people that build arcs, if you will, places that will host God's presence. And, and, uh, and we'll probably touch a, a, on a lot of that over the next few weeks. We took a break last week because, truthfully, because I had a word I thought was from the Lord, and then because it was a holiday and many were traveling, and I thought that this was important enough that I really just didn't want you all to miss. And so, lucky you. <laughs> but uh, Jesus referenced the days of Noah. In Matthew 24, Jesus said this. He said, for the, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. And... Jesus is saying that the coming of Him, the second coming of Jesus, or even just the manifestation or, or the manifest presence of Him, Himself, will be like in the days of Noah. And so, so it was like, well, what was going on in the days of Noah? Further on in Matthew 24, it says that they were eating and drinking and giving themselves in marriage. But really what that means is that they were living like there was nothing going on. They were living like that... that all bets are off, or they were living like anything goes, okay? And so the days of Noah, people were, were into all sorts of things. The days of Noah, people were living in sin. The days of Noah, there was all kinds of perversion on the earth. And the Lord, during that time, decided that, that this is not my original intention, okay? The Lord's intention is for us to walk in covenantial relationship with him walking in the blessings of the lord walking in purity walking in power walking really in a restored eden type state where we walk with the lord in the cool of the day that was god's original intention and he placed man in the garden genesis 1 in particular genesis 1 28 where he said he made man in his own image and he expected man to rule over the earth over the animals over the fish of the sea and to, to have dominion and authority on the earth and to increase the boundaries, to be fruitful and multiply. That was God's original plan for man, to look like God on the earth and to steward the earth on the Lord's behalf. That was his original intention. And so by five chapters later, it gets messed up. Five chapters later, there's all of this going on, and this is where we pick the story up. 
And, and I, I just want to read this. I'm going to skip forward in Genesis 1. I read the entire chapter two weeks ago. I'm going to start on chap, uh, verse 17, 117. It says, Behold, I, even I, this is the Lord talking, am bringing flood water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you, and of every, and of every living thing of all flesh. You shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind. Two of every kind will come with you to keep them alive. As for you, verse 21, as for you, take for yourself some of all the food which is edible and gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. Amen. I love this. Like, again, the Lord asked Noah to do something that's really incomprehensible that no one would have understood. And it says, thus Noah did all that the Lord asked him to do. You understand the Lord's looking for men and women that do everything that he asks them to do, even if it makes no sense to everyone else around them. Okay, He's looking for people that will do that. He's looking for people that live in healing and wholeness and holiness in a time where that is not the case. He's looking, in particular, he's looking for people that live in intimacy and purity with him in this hour. And I believe that's who the Lord is going to trust to bring forth revival or repopulate the planet. And so so the Lord, the Lord in this story, now again, we're, we're looking at this from a prophetic lens. I'm not going to preach it historically, although there will be historical facts. I'm going to look at it for how this is what happened and then, but, uh, but then, then this is also what I believe is permission to believe that the Lord is going to do right now. Amen. Amen. And I am having, I, I didn't really, I am having trouble seeing just a little bit today uh, from last week, but that's all right. The Lord, first of all, wants to baptize the earth with his presence. Now, the word baptize means to immerse or to saturate. So when you go down in the waters and are baptized, you're immersed, but you're saturated in Christ Jesus. That's what it means to be baptized. You mean baptized in love, baptized in fire, means to be saturated. So verse 17, the Lord says, Behold, I'm, I'm even bringing the flood water upon the earth to destroy all flesh which has the breath of life in it from under heaven. Everything that is in it, on the earth shall perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, your sons and your wife, and your sons as wives with you. And so the Lord, he, he saw that there was corruption on the earth. He saw that there was sin. He saw that his original plan had, had went away, if you will. And it wasn't because of the Lord's sovereign intention. It was because of man's free will. And and, and the Lord is very sovereign, but He also gives us the free will to choose and do whatever we please. Because it would not be love and it would not be a relationship if we were forced to serve Him. He wants us to want Him, right? All right. So, He saw that things had went away and He chose 
He chose to send floodwaters to the earth. He caused waters to come up from the earth. And he caused rain to come down. And he also opened up, and we'll get too much in this, but he also opened up the floodgates because at that time there was water above the earth as well. And, and, and that's a whole other type of thing. But, but I'm trying to remember the name of the word, dear. What is it that held the waters back? The firmament. Thank you, by the way. Thank you. She's amazing. <laughs> word was slipping my mind, and I wasn't going to be able to think about anything else until that word came out. <laughs> And so he, he sends these waters to cleanse the earth, okay? And I believe that in this hour where we have that, 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 that things that are wrong, that, that there, there's things that's wrong on the earth that, that people say are right, right? And there's things that are right that people are saying wrong. The Lord wants to bring cleansing to all this stuff. Right? The Lord wants to bring cleansing to a pandemic. The Lord wants to bring cleansing to, a, to, to, to the systemic racism. The Lord wants to bring cleansing to, 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 to all the LGBTQ agenda stuff that's going on. Like He wants to bring cleansing to these things. And, and the only way He does it is by the outpouring of His Spirit. Now, if you will, you can look at Romans 6. Romans 6 says this when it talks about baptism. It says, what shall we say then? Because I believe the Lord wants to baptize the earth in His presence. All right, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Paul's like, look, you there is grace, but just because there's grace, it's not a license to go crazy. If, if anything, the grace the Lord gives, Paul is saying the grace that he gives me actually empowers me to live the way that he wants me to do, even though I could get away with murder, if you will. I could get away with murder. I could get away with whatever because of grace, but that, that's not, not the case. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin live in it? I, I love that. It's like, Paul's like, quit wrestling. Yeah. Well, what if I wrestle? There's grace. But there's also grace as a supernatural power of God to help us. Yeah. All right? So how shall it be how we who died to sin still live in it? And by the way, wrestling with something is totally different than deciding to live in something. Because some people struggle to get free, and there's that walking it out, and you have a setback, and you continue to walk out, you have a setback, right? And then there's those that have been set free that says, man, I really enjoyed what I was living in. Like, that, there's, there is a difference, okay? I will not point fingers at anyone that's wrestling with something, but I will correct someone that willingly and knowingly goes back to the empty cisterns that they keep wrestling with, that they keep going to, because that's a lesser lover. All right? Okay. May it never be. Verse 3. Or do you not know, I love this, may it never be, how, we, how shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through, the, through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So his death was our death. Like if you pump your baptized, his death was our death. 
but his resurrection is our resurrection. Him walking on the road to Emmaus and ascending to heaven. Him walking and living and breathing is our newness of life. Because we've been crucified with Christ and the life that we now live in the body, we live by His Spirit. We live as Him here on the earth. And we're not Him, but He lives inside of us. I want to be really careful. And so, so, so anyway, so Paul's saying, look, that thing that you were, the thing that you wrestled with, that when you went under those waters, that, that immersion, when you were saturated in Him, it's all been washed away. And when you came up, you came up with the same righteousness and the same holiness that He has. Now I love this. Not only is His resurrection your resurrection, but it says that so we too might walk in newness of life. The word newness, it means a previously unknown state. It means a new quality of life. And the quality of life, I'm not talking about stuff and possessions. I'm talking about what's inside of your heart or inside of your spirit, man. It is a new quality. It's like you get an upgrade. It was pretty good here, but it's a whole lot better when I live in Him. And so he's saying you get a new quality of life in contrast to the former life. It's like, well, what do we equate it to? Well, I can't compare it to, I can't compare my my life in Jesus to what my life's my wife's life is in Jesus, right? I compare it to who I was before, not who she was before, not who she is right now. I compare it to where I was and where I am. And the Lord, but see, that's a lot of people's problems, and that's why a lot stay. I I, I guess stay in the. The, the, the idea that they continue to struggle and wrestle because we compare ourselves to people. Actually, social media is designed so you compare yourself to other people so you always feel like you're lacking, so you always feel like you don't have enough, so you always don't feel like you measure up. The whole system is designed on that very premise, and then we live our life thinking, man, I can never measure up to someone else's standards. The standard is Christ Jesus, and when He does a work in your heart, that's what you compare it to. Who I was before him. Right. Newness of life. By the way, life isn't just like light. It's, it's the same word that's used in John chapter 1. It's, it's zoe. It's vitality. It's the same uh, thing that's alluded to in John 10. That the, lo- that the thief come to, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life, zoe, and have it abundantly. Like the Lord, he desired, when He comes and He sends His baptizing waters or His baptizing spirits, He comes so that you can have abundant life. And again, it's not stuff it's not getting the latest things it's not having a bunch of whatever like and those things are fine and dandy i'm just saying that he came to do an internal work in your heart that's why i love that at first when, when brett starts saying uh, 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 in me as it is in heaven i thought you know that really is the way that it works because because he does an internal work on my heart and therefore I'm able to express what he's done in my heart here on the earth and it brokers forth transformation. The thing is, we try to look around at what's wrong and bring forth transformation to what's wrong rather than allowing the Lord to do a work in our hearts and bring forth transformation from that, tra- from that point of view or that position. That's why Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. 
right? It's within you. It, it's at hand. It's here, and then it's there. That's why in Matthew 10, 7, and 8, that, 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 that's why that, that, that the Lord says, you know, freely you have received, now freely give. You can't give something away that you don't have. Right. It's illegal. Bob took my car keys and handed them to a perfect stranger. He said, here you go. Like, it'd be legal for him to do that because it's not his. It's mine. Now, if I wanted to toss my keys to someone, I could. You understand? Like, you have to have possession of something to give it away. And if we're going to see revival on the earth, we have to have it in our hearts. Okay? And so he comes. The Lord, what I believe what the Lord's doing is he wants he, he wants to pour himself out in individuals and in individual companies of people, and then we'll start to see the move of God here on the earth. But it's like, well, how in the world can that happen? Like, we, we have a good crowd today. Like, we have a good crowd today, but it's like, you know, we're, we're still a small group of people. Like, how can the Lord use us? Well, historically, the Lord has always used small groups of people to bring forth transformation to the world. Jesus had 12 knuckleheads walking around with him, right, for three years. And one of them went off the deep end. And they changed the world, right? Noah enters the ark with eight people. They used eight, like, like in my mind... In my mind, like if I'm like, all right, I'm going to repopulate. We're going to, we're starting fresh. I've been like, all right, we're going to start with more than eight people. <laughs> we're we're going to start with a handfuls of people in all these towns. And that way, you know, we have a dozen here, a dozen here, a dozen here, and a dozen here. That way we stand a better chance of interconnecting everything, right? And the Lord says, nope, just need eight. That's all we need. Like, we took eight people that were living in covenant with the Lord, walking with the Lord. And really it was one man walking with the Lord. But one man walking with the Lord can influence an entire family. And so you may not feel like, and I'm just, I don't know who this is for, and that's why I'm closing my eyes, but, but I'm just saying this. You may feel like that you're walking closer to the Lord than your spouse or your loved one or your significant other, and all it takes is one person deciding to do that because eventually that other partner is going to catch up. I'm living proof of that. Living proof of that. I don't know where that came from, but I think that was from the Lord. So eight people entered the ark. And by, by the way, I, I Googled this this morning. There's 7.8 billion people on the planet today. I think they did a pretty good job of being fruitful and multiplying. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm just saying that it just takes a couple of people. <laughs> if we make the decision to walk with God, He will multiply what's in our heart. He will, I promise. He will. He's done it all throughout history. I told you that a moment ago that He did it with 12 men. Right, and then there are a few women that followed at that time as well. But he, he, he's done it through all throughout history. Acts chapter 2, the upper room, 120 people 
spend 10 days in worship and prayer and intercession. And the Lord releases a sound, and that sound brought revival to a city that brought revival to a city and 3,000 people came to know Jesus that day as their Lord and Savior. Now, the math doesn't make sense. 120, 3,000, like it, it doesn't really matter. The Lord always uses small amounts of people and the Lord, and it, it, like every great move of God starts in something that appears to be insignificant. I've often thought about the upper room when they're in there worshiping and praying and like, like there's, there's, I'm sure there were times it's like, what are we doing, right? But no, he's worth it. We're going to just wait until we receive power from on high. He promised he's going to come. He promised he's going to do something. And eventually the Lord shows up. You've got to be able to press through those moments where it's like, it just doesn't make much sense right now. Right. Uh, let me let me read through some of these I've referenced here before, but but I just felt very impressed this morning to remind us of this, that let's not despise the day of small beginnings because the Lord's like, I'm going to use you all to repopulate the planet. And Noah's like, oh, OK, there's eight of us, dude. Right. The first great awakening essentially started with just two or three or four different men. Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley. John Wesley got a burden from the Lord that the gospel needed to be preached to people other than the elite of society. And so he began to preach from tree stumps out in open fields, and it offended the church. They actually booted him out. Like, that's who we trace our roots to. And like now, there's the, the Methodist denomination. There's all these different types of holiness movements. I'd argue they're probably not holiness anymore, but it's neither here nor there. I'm just saying that, that I'm just saying that every move of the Lord starts with something small, just a few people saying yes to what he wants. The second great awakening, which is really spearheaded by Charles Finney, he's my favorite evangelist. He was nuts. Like, like, like peculiar and odd. And, and Finney was studying law and he was actually a teacher and he was not sure. He actually would probably consider himself agnostic. Like you attain through knowledge. But anyway, Finney has this encounter with the Lord and he has this encounter with the Lord while he's walking down the middle of the road. And while he's walking down the road, he senses that the Lord wants to touch him. And he runs into the woods. I love it. He runs into the woods and lays down on the ground. And he says that it was like waves of liquid love came over him. And, and this encounter, it was actually, he said it was beautiful and terrifying. He actually said, Lord, would you quit because you're going to kill me? from this encounter. And from that, this man began going town to town to town, which is the birth of the modern day revival movement of evangelists that travel and do itinerant ministry. But Finney would go into places and they would say, there's stories of Finney that he walked in such intimacy and communion with the Lord that he would walk into town or he would walk into, he walked, one of the stories is he walked into a steel mill and he walked into this steel mill and he walked into this place and he didn't even say a word. He walks in and the glory of the Lord came to such a degree that all the workers quit working and fell on their faces and repented of sins without the gospel ever being preached because one person hosted the presence of the Lord to such 
such a degree. Now, Finney later on ends up partnering with a guy named Nash, and Nash would go ahead of Charles Finney, and he would rent out like a penny, do- a penny hotel room, and Nash would go there, and he would pray for two or three weeks in advance that the presence of the Lord would come, and Finney would come, and they would typically rent out like the biggest building in the place, which would be typically like the schoolhouse or something of that nature, or the town hall, and he would just show up, and he would begin to preach the word in a way that they had never ever heard because up until that time I don't know why I'm talking about Charles Finney so much I just love the guy up until that time up until that time preaching was typically this that that, that they would write out the sermons and they would like Jonathan Edwards when Edwards would preach would read the message like this okay and Finney takes it and just stands in front and just starts waiting until the Lord speaks and he begins to speak something different and it brought it brought revival to the entire nation. And I'm saying all it takes is just someone saying yes. Then there's the Hebrides revival. Duncan Campbell, this revival was in the islands off of Scotland, right? And the Hebrides revival, there's a pastor named Duncan Campbell. There was two women and there was two old women and there was a blacksmith. And the Lord moved in a prayer meeting with these four people and it was a blacksmith. I, I love this. They don't even know his name. I don't even know this name. And the revival comes in a prayer meeting that transformed an entire island system when this Blackfoot smith stood up to pray. I'm going to read the prayer. I've read it before, but I just think it's significant. I'm looking at it like I'm thinking, like like I feel like I pray bold, but I, I don't think I've ever prayed this way. But they're in this prayer meeting, and he says, Oh God, You made a promise to pour water on the dry ground. And Lord, it's not happening. Lord, I don't know how the others here stand in your presence. I don't know how these ministers stand. But Lord, if I know anything about my own heart, I stand before you as an empty vessel, thirsting for thee and a manifestation of thy power. Oh God, and this is is what gets me over here. Oh God, your honor is at stake. And, and if that wasn't enough, like, God, your honor's at stake, and now I, challenge you, now I challenge you to fulfill your covenant engagement and do what you promised to do. They were praying Second 2 Chronicles 7.14 that if my, people who, who, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and turn from them their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and then I will heal their land. Like They were praying this verse over and over and over and the Lord swept through the streets that they actually end up closing down the bars and they end up closing down right like close down the bars they 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 turn all these places in the churches and they're they're really I can't remember the statistics but it was like 80% of the islands got saved wow. over a 4 year period there was Cane Ridge Cane Ridge started off as really a failed camp meeting, which is right around the road from us. Like, we're going to have a camp meeting. No one shows up, right? And so they just continue to worship and pray. pray. And during a communion service, I'm really paraphrasing here, a communion service, someone stood up and said, the Lord God omnipotent reign in their hearts and to submit to them. He's saying, Lord, would you just reign in people's hearts? And it was woof. And then over 25,000 people come to this thing in the middle of nowhere. And there's testimonies and stories of like 
kids Baylor's age or, or Michaela's age sitting on daddy's shoulders preaching the gospel. Like that thing got so big, like that thing got so big, they didn't have, they didn't have stages, they didn't have platforms, they had tree stumps. And you know who your preacher was that day? If you were close enough to hear someone standing on a stump, that's who was your preacher that day. So they'd have like 25, 30 preachers all going at once, 25,000 people in this field. The Lord moved, right? And it actually brought forth transformation to the nation. The Welsh revival, Evan Roberts heard this. Again, like these are all small meetings. The Welsh revival, Evan Roberts was in a prayer meeting with less than a dozen people. And as he's praying, as he's praying, the Welsh revival really touched the globe. The Welsh revival, uh, it, it really touched the American holiness movement in the early 1900s. And it also touched the, 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 the I guess, Azusa Street, which would be the charismatic movement. Like it touched all of that from Wales. And, and Evan Roberts, with less than a dozen people, is in there. And Evan Roberts heard a man say, bend me, God, bend me. And then Roberts later writes, he said, I felt a living power pervading in my bosom. The language is funny, but I felt a pervading power pervading my bosom. It took my breath away and my legs trembled exceedingly. The living power became stronger and stronger as each one prayed until I felt the Lord would tear me apart. My whole bosom was a turmoil, and if I had not prayed, it would have burst. I fell on my knees with my arms over the seat in front of me. My face was bathed in perspiration and tears flowed in streams. I cried out, bend me, bend me. It was God's commending love, which, listen to this, it was God's commending love which bent me. Hmm. What a wave of peace flooded me. I was filled with compassion for those who must bend at the judgment and wept. Following that, the salvation of the human soul was solemnly impressed upon me. I felt ablaze with the desire to go through the length of breath of wells to tell of the Savior. And within six weeks, so again, a prayer meeting with a dozen people, he... It's, it's like what happens in the moments here sometimes during our worship or in our prayer room. You'll hear someone say something from the floor and the team will take it and they begin to sing it out, right? And so that's what happens sometimes. Evan Roberts is in a prayer room and he hears someone say, bend me, God, and he begins to pray it, bend me, bend me. And within six weeks, 20,000 people had given their life to the Lord. Like there's lots of other facts that go on about the. Well, I love the Welsh revival as well. I had a lot of really neat and odd things happen in it. But 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 there's this thing that I'm trying to get across to us is that it doesn't take many people to bring forth revival to the globe. The Lord used eight people in Noah's day to repopulate the planet. What can He do with forty people in a room? Like, I want to build our faith for this. I'm not just attending a church. I'm not just attending church. I'm in a room with a handful of people that have given their life to Jesus, and I believe the Lord can change the globe through this group of people. Like, that's, like, and again, like, and even as I say, like, I believe it with every fiber of my being, because if, if I was just going to attend church, like, like, like you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, if I was just going to do something to do something, then it really doesn't matter what we do. But if everything we do really, really matters, 
then every time we step foot in this place, we have, we have the ability to see God do something very significant. Now, here's this last point that I'll, I'll talk about today. It's like last point with two parts. <laughs> I'm going to give you part three of part two of my plan. Never mind. Madison should have caught that too, but she didn't. It's all good. I'll explain it later. So verse 21 in Genesis chapter 6, it says this, as you take for as for you, take for yourself take for you yourself some of all food which is edible and gather it to yourself. And it shall be food for you and for them. Now, the Lord's saying, gather food, because it's going to take care of the eight of you, and it's going to take care of all the animals that's on the ark. All right, so, but the Lord says, gather that. What we're doing here and what we're hoping to do in our day-to-day lives is learn how to steward God's presence by gathering, quote-unquote, food, which is more of his presence. All right? We steward God's presence by honoring God's presence. We steward God's presence by hosting God's presence, however you want to say it. But when he says, as for, your, as for yourself, take some food. The word food, it means, it means nourishment. It means anything that brings vitality to your body, to your soul. And so it's a loaded word what the Lord's telling him because I think what the Lord's saying is take food, but take more than food. I'll say it again. The Lord says take food, but take more than food because like we, we understand Matthew 4, 4, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father, that's the same thing as Deuteronomy 4, 4. Like, like the word of the Lord is what brings nourishment to us. And there's the rhema word, which is a spoken word. And there's a logos word, which is the written word. Like we need to take that and bring nourishment to ourselves. But that nourishment is not just for us. It's for those around us. Right? He says gather, which means to take, to collect. It means also, I love this. The Lord says gather food, which means form a rear guard. It's the exact same word that's used in Isaiah 58, 8, which we quoted, I think, a week or two ago, which is that the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. It's the exact same word. The Lord says, go gather, form a rear guard with the food. And so I think it is a picture as we continue to worship and continue to live a life of talking to the Lord, that it does something where it actually forms the rear guard for us. And, and I'm telling you, like, like, I don't just come here for me. I come here for the people I encounter on a day-to-day basis, right? Like this, it would be the most selfish thing in the world that if we never, ever shared what the Lord has done in our hearts, now, I'm not telling you to go stand on the street corner. I, I was on 265 the other day driving home, and there was a, it, it, it took everything out of me not to pull over and get out. But over one of the overpasses, someone had, someone painted this great big sign that says, turn or burn. And like, I get what they're saying, but that's not whatever. And he was standing up there with a microphone. 
or megaphone, not microphone. Cars going 65, 70, 80 miles an hour underneath that thing, right? <laughs> not, not, not this guy. I'm get, I've gotten free of driving slow, but not that free. <laughs> he says, take food for you. See, what Noah gathered wasn't just for himself. It was for everyone else around him. What the Lord's doing in your heart isn't just for yourself. It is for you, but it's for more than you. It's for your families. It's for your coworkers. It's for the cashiers at the grocery store. It's for the bank tellers. Like what the Lord does in you is for you and those around you. That's why we talk, we've quoted this a lot too. That's why Jesus, after he was baptized, right? I mean, he was born with the Spirit living inside of him, right? That's why he was filled with the Spirit. That's why Mary's womb leapt. But that's why Jesus, after he was baptized in the water by John the Baptist and the Spirit came and landed on him, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It was already in him, then it was on him. We need it in and on because in is for us and on is for the world. And I'm, I'm telling you, like it is time for us to live this stuff out. It is time for us to live out the gospel. Like I'm going to tell you, like, and I'll tell you this too, I'm just trying to preach from my own experience. But even yesterday when I was working, like you can't see my face, right? One, you can't hardly, you can't see my mouth anyway because of the mustache, but wearing a face mask over your face, like you really can't see if people smiling or not. And a woman, I kid you not, walked by me as I was working and said, why are you always happy? And I was like, what? And she says, you have happy eyes. And she hadn't seen crazy eyes at church, but she, you know. <laughs> but she said, you have happy eyes. I was like, well, I was like, well, I'm already down this road. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to tell her. It's, I said, I just, I said, some days I don't have so happy eyes, but today I have them because everything I'm doing today, I'm treating it like it's worship for Jesus. And I was like, what's not to be happy about with that? She starts tearing up. She says, I love Jesus too. So it's just this little thing, but I, I'm telling like what, what the Lord does in you is for everyone else around you and so like what God does in your heart could bring nourishment for someone else around you and I just think it's of the utmost utmost importance and that's why we should gather as much of him as we possibly can I won't belabor this one but it's it's Noah brought two by two of the animals and I believe that this is a picture now run bear with me for a minute but Noah brought two by two of all the animals I don't know how it's possible other than the Lord did it. Okay? I believe it happened. So the Lord had to have done it. But I believe this is a picture of what God wants us to do. By hosting His presence, we create an atmosphere that literally saves all of those who enter into it. Because Noah saved his family and all of those animals simply because he built something and hosted someone that had the ability to do it. And like, I, I'm just going to tell you this. Like, I really feel in my heart that it's time for the Lord. And I don't want you to misunderstand me. I don't want you to misunderstand me. Like, I want our... It's time for this thing to grow. 
not because we're telling people come to our church. It's time for this thing to grow because we're saying come and meet a man who's at our church. And I'm not talking about the pastor or worship leader. I'm talking about the presence of the Lord. What makes you different from any other place down the street? That was the other thing. We start talking and she's like, she's like, well, you're a Christian? I was like, I am. And I said, I'm actually a pastor too. And she's like, you're a pastor? You know? <laughs> yes, I am. I am. And then she's like, well, where are you pastor? And I told her and she said, well, what's your, what, what's your church like? And I said, that's really hard to explain. I'm just going to tell you that Jesus is there. I promise you, Jesus is there. Well, what about this? I'm just like, look, it'd be a lot if I told you everything. that ha- I'm just, I'm just t- he's here. I said, sometimes, sometimes we don't even do anything. Sometimes there's like moments of silence, and, but the silence is filled with him. I don't know how else to explain it. He's in our worship. He's in, a, he's in everything. He's just there. Like, I think it's time to grow because we're saying, you know what, he's here. And I'm not ashamed that he's here. Like, I'm just going to be, like, I'm, 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 I'm done. Like, I even, I even thought about saying now, sometimes we get all loud, right? Like, I thought about telling her that. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pre-qualify anything. I'm not ashamed of the fact that we're loud. I'm not ashamed of the fact that sometimes we get carried away and we bebop and hop around, right? Right? I'm not, I'm not ashamed of any of that. I'm thankful he's here. I'm thankful that he is here. And the more that I, quote unquote, gather of him, the more is available for someone that comes in off the street. I thought on the way in, I knew I was going to share that point. And I thought, Lord, what would it be like if people start walking in the doors and they start saying, what must I do to be saved? Not not because of the worship, not because of teaching and preaching, but because when they walked into the atmosphere, the environment, there was something different about it than what was outside in the parking lot. And it's the presence of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So we're building something. <laughs> we're building an ark. It looks like one when you start looking around the building, all the wood. <laughs> it, it, it leaks too. <laughs> I, I bet Noah's art didn't leak. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I just want us to be aware, man. I, I'm done. I don't know what else to say. We're going to pray, but I just want us to be very aware of let's not despise the day of small beginnings. Okay, the Lord uses seemingly insignificant people. I tell you what, like right now, there is a move of God going on around the nation. A man named by the name of Sean Foyt, he's a worship leader, and he's traveled the world to lead worship, but he just ran for Congress in California and lost by a landslide. And he shares the story of how discouraged and frustrated he was. And he was actually ready to move away from California to go basically go hide in shame because how embarrassed he was. He felt small and insignificant. And the Lord told him, go do a worship service where they're protesting. 
And so he's calling them worship protests because that's how they're getting away with gathering so many people at one time, right? Because you can't worship, but you can protest. That's neither here nor there. But anyway, so now like hundreds and hundreds of people are getting saved at these things around the country because the Lord used one man that was broken and felt like he was insignificant. And I think the one that was in Seattle, there were like thousands of people that showed up at this thing and they ended up doing baptisms in like the river. I'm just saying the Lord uses small amounts of people. You don't have to be someone. All right? And then I want us to learn to continue to steward what God has done in our heart. Just like when I transitioned, when we sang, I'll stand. Like, let's just walk this stuff out. You're not going to get it right 100% of the time. You're not. But you have one inside of you that's going to help you get it right more often than not. And when you mess up, get back up. That's what grace is for. But I promise you, if you keep getting back up, you're going to wrestle less and less and less because you're being conformed into the image of God. All right. Jesus, I just thank you. I love you and I adore you. I would pray today, Lord, that you help us. I would pray that you help us to steward what you've done in our hearts, to steward what you're doing in our congregation and our church. And I would pray, Lord, that which you would use us to bring forth really a baptism on the earth. <laughs> that you would use us to bring forth a baptism in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our city, and in our region, Lord. I would pray that no level of obedience that you ask us to, to would seem insignificant. Even thinking like, and, and no level of obedience. Like, I was even thinking of yesterday that I woke up and I didn't, for lack of a better word, I didn't feel like brushing my hair, so I wore a hat. And I put on my really terrible camouflage hat. And the Lord said, the Lord said, put on your hat that says revival instead. And so I took that hat off and put on the one that said revival. And that's when I had that conversation with that woman yesterday. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. I don't know. I'm just saying, don't disregard any small thing the Lord asks you to do. Because it could be a big thing by the time it's all said and done with. I pray, Lord, that we never grow satisfied with where we are in you. I would pray, Lord, that we never think we've arrived, but we would just accumulate, accumulate, accumulate a life of intimacy and history with you. That's really what you're asking us to do. That gathering food thing, that's accumulating, that's building history with you, Jesus. That's building time in your presence. And so, Lord, I just love you, and I thank you, and I bless you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.